How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Peacock. Thanks everybody for joining me today. Excited to talk to my guest today. Matthew Brown, he is a scout and a writer for Inside the Pylon. Great stuff over there. I've had a lot of people from Inside the Pylon, and I had fun reading the ITP draft guide this year, and I expect they're going to continue with bigger and better things over at Inside the Pylon. A lot of smart guys working over there. I'm on Twitter. Follow me at BD Peacock. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Rate, review the show, streaming on Boom. now available on iHeartRadio and Spotify, which is really exciting. Big things happening at the Locked On Podcast Network. Email the show. Any questions or comments, or if you'd like to sponsor the show, Locked On 49ers at Gmail. Uh, links to everything you need and the stream as well. LockedOn49ers.com. All right, let's not waste any time. Let's get to our guest today and talk a little bit about some of these 49ers rookie, especially Joe Williams. Joining me now is Matthew Brown. You can find his work over at Inside the Pylon. Great stuff by those folks over at Inside the Pylon, by the way. Uh, Mark Schofield and John Ledyard I've had on the show before. And so I'm excited to have Matthew joining me on the show today. He had a great article about Joe Williams the other day, 49ers rookie running back. And by the way, I love that you threw John Ledyard under the bus. Uh, You know, he's been on the show a couple times with me now, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And first of all, thank you, Matthew, for joining the show. And we can all just blame John Ledyard for Joe Williams not being in the ITP draft guide, right? Well, partially. I think Ledyard was fairly high on him, but... The part of the process for the Inside the Pylon draft guide was that there was a big four, including John Ledyard, uh, who decided overall uh, and had the final say really on where uh, who made the guide and who didn't. And then also my fellow running back scouts, uh, Ryan Ducarm and also uh, Andrew Thomas Jordan, who did a bit of the fantasy side of that. They uh, they weren't as high on Williams, I think, as m- myself. Um, so there's a few people to blame here, but I, I think I made a... And in the end, as I said in the article, they were right because he was drafted with, what, the 121st selection? So he wasn't a top 100 player based on pure draft position. So, I mean, you win some, you lose some, and I lost some. But as I said in the article, definitely a guy I'd have pounded the table for because I was really keen on keen on his skill set, and so were the 49ers, clearly. And so I'm sure those who are listening to the show by now know that you are – uh, not born and raised here in the States. Where exactly are you doing the show with me right now? Because for me, it's midnight. I'm just about to be done with my day. But for you, it's what, 8 a.m.? Yeah, it's just gone 8 a.m. It's a bit early for me. Uh, I think like you, I'm a night owl. Uh, I'm, I'm coming from, speaking to you from uh, England. Uh, I'm in a place called Reading, which is in Berkshire, about 30 minutes train ride from London. Uh, I'm currently staying at my girlfriend's house. But uh yeah, I'm I'm in London. Became a 
uh, Seahawks fan, which might not be too popular on this podcast. But, All right, so that's going to be the uh, end of the show. Thanks uh, for coming on. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so basically Sky Sports, they were showing the coverage um, around the 2012 preseason game where I just really got into football. So I'm basically a bandwagon fan as well. So, um, okay. Saw the Seahawks had the nicest uniforms. was like, oh, I'll support them. And then sort of guiltily realized that they were the best team in the in the sport uh well one of the best teams and one with a very promising future and was like oh dear but then that's counteracted by my soccer team newcastle united being terrible so okay you know you win again you win some you lose some <laughs> first of all the worst uniforms in the nfl let's get that straight <laughs> all right no that's okay i mean that's we, we can talk to fans from all teams the the important part here is that you do your work and you're deep into the film stuff, and uh, you're a smart right. guy. So I'm excited to talk to you here, and mostly about – we'll start with Joe Williams and get into some other stuff as well. Uh, so let's start with – well, first of all, again, I want to remind everybody they should check out uh, Matthew's article at Inside the Pylon, especially if you love articles that you know have a vi- video element you know, and visualize what's going on with scheme stuff. And uh, can you go ahead and tell the listeners just an, an overall – Uh, with this article, what you liked about Williams coming out of the draft at Utah and how he might fit Kyle Shanahan's system and the run game there in San Francisco. Yeah, so when I'm scouting or evaluating a prospect, I'll always look at how their game can translate from uh, college to the pros. And I think Williams showed a lot of traits which do translate, particularly to Kyle Shanahan's scheme. So I think great lateral agility and footwork, and he possessed the ability to strongly cut off either foot. And of course, in a zone blocking system you really need to be a one cut and go athlete who can possess the ability to cut once and then explode up the field and his 4.41 40 yard dash I think that showed on tape too he has that burst to, to cut and then go I think he also takes advantage of the smaller spaces by getting skinny through the hole when it's required and he does that without losing any speed so really that's important so he's got he's got those traits also in a zone blocking system, you have to be able to read plays correctly. I mean, Utah mainly ran a gap or man blocking system, but on the few play, the few zone plays that they did run, he showed the ability to press the line of scrimmage, make the correct read at the required time and point or landmark, if you will. Um, so in the article, you, you spoke how I included video. I highlighted the split zone play where he correctly read the bend or the cutback read and then cut it back. And I think he, he uh, lowered his pads and then got the first down. And that was impressive because a lot of backs wouldn't have had the um, the patience and also the uh, the ability to read at the right point and uh, to cut it back and make the correct read for the first down. I think a lot of them would have got caught up in the traffic and just tried to uh, run behind their blocker yeah. or something. Because also, in a, as I highlighted in the article as well, in the split zone, because you have that wing back blocking to the backside, it does create a natural cutback lane, and he recognised that. He also crucially did it, as I said, at the right point. So he did it after his third step, which is a, another huge thing in a in a zone blocking scheme. There's always going to be an area where it's, it's it's go time. You have to make a decision, and if you don't make it at that point, the play is dead. And I think he did a great job there. Yeah, I really so liked he, his uh, his vision and. Uh, sorry to interrupt you there, but when it comes to the vision, and you mentioned the the bang, so when you're when you're looking at you know the three outcomes there, the bang is sort of the cutback, 
or I mean, the bang the bend. is the hole that it's yeah. intended to go. the The bend is the cutback, and then you can bounce it out to uh, to the to the front side. And so, right. when it comes to what I saw from from Joe Williams that I loved was what you mentioned there was that ability to to see the hole, and you can play fast because. You, you see it. So not only are you a fast runner, but you play fast because you see it, you see the whole develop and that ability to put your, your foot in the ground and then just hit the hole hard, you know, and he's got that home run speed, but to use a baseball analogy, just having the power say to hit a home run, isn't enough, you know, uh, reacting to live bullets versus only being a, a home run hitter in batting practice. You know, you see the pitch, you recognize the spin, you square it up, and, you know, so it takes it, it's it's processing quickly, seeing the hole develop. And then when that sometimes very, very small hole presents itself, you can hit it hard and then you can, you know, you can, you can take the play the distance as well. So I saw that from him and I, and I really liked it. And I, I, you did a great job in the article putting that through uh, for the reader. Thanks. That's a great analogy. And I'd also like to add, I think a knock on him is that he struggles to create behind the line of scrimmage. But that's not the point of the zone blocking system. I mean, it's not about dancing behind the line of scrimmage. As we've both said, it's about being able to process quickly, one cut, and then just go. You don't want to do any like additional wasted movement. Wait, 5'11", 210, you know, it's pretty di- ideal size for a yeah. running back. It's not a, a huge back, uh, but I'm kind of surprised by that weight, actually, because just looking at him, you think, ah, he's not big necessarily. You know, it's, it's nitpicking a little bit, but maybe a little narrow in the lower half. And he yeah, doesn't I, run with great power necessarily, a little bit upright sometimes, but he's also not a scat back or anything like that. So he'll run behind his pads sometimes and also get some, you know, some yards after contact. Yeah, I see that. Definitely. I think he may have added a bit of weight for the combine. A lot of backs tend to, yeah. though he still ran quick. I mean, I think the the main knocks you can say about him is I mean, seven fumbles in two years at Utah. That needs some work. But with good coaching, that can come. And then also, obviously, Shanahan likes to use his backs in the passing game. I mean, to see Freeman and Coleman both having over 400 yards receiving uh, last year. And while Williams, he dropped five of his 27 catchable passes in two years at Utah. So obviously, that's a small sample size. But maybe I think focus on tape was an issue. He often seemed preoccupied with uh, getting uh, transitioning to being a runner rather than you know securing the catch. And he could also do with extending his hands away from his frame. Right. But again good coaching that's that solves that and to get on the field he'll have to solve that because that is a big Shanahan thing passing game stuff is so important you know whether not not just catching the ball but also pass protecting as well so uh it, that's gonna right. be a big part if he wants to get on the field he's got to be able to you know keep his quarterback upright so you mentioned Carlos Hyde and you used the comparison I use multiple times here on the show Kyle Shanahan's offense and Devontae Freeman role is sort of the Carlos Hyde's and then Joe Williams is sort of the Tevin Coleman role, and Carlos Hyde has about four inches and 25 pounds on on Freeman, but trying to slot guys in with Atlanta's offense here under Kyle Shanahan. I, I like that sort of comparison there, and so do you think that plays? And for the same reason, I don't think there's any really need to run Carlos Hyde out of town yet. No, I don't think so. Um, I definitely think... It- while it's not a direct comparison, as I said in the article, I think you can envision their roles being fairly similar. Hyde is more of that thumper type, whereas Coleman, uh, whereas so is Freeman, whereas Coleman and uh, Joe Williams are more, you'd think they're more shifty, uh, 
kind of more outside the tackle runners, even though they're both be running mainly outside zone. Um, I think also Hyde, maybe you're not running him out of town this year, but uh, Matt Breed is another interesting guy. He's going to really good running back competition in San Francisco, I think. Yeah. Did you uh, did you have a chance to see? Br- yeah, uh, I, I saw a bit of him. I mean, obviously he's a workout warrior with a 42 inch vertical, 142 inch board jump, yeah. um, 23 time. 225 pound bench press and then a 4.38 second 40 yard dash i mean he, that's the 94th uh, percentile the running back position clearly a freaky athlete and obviously that's visible on tape but i also think he made some good reads and showed great balance through contact which is a massive thing for running backs and something that i mean williams was inconsistent with that so you know we'll have to see that but obviously what hurt breed and why he was an undrafted free agent really is because he ran out of an option offense which is always going to hurt a running back because it's not as a pro style, rather like for a, a quarterback really, and how that could hurt them in the pre-draft process. But yeah, it's going to be a really good battle, and maybe they're preparing to move on from Hyde. He's obviously had his injury issues, maybe not this year, maybe in a few years' time, or maybe Hyde will thrive in this new offense. But they're certainly in a good uh, good position. I think John Lynch has done a great job across the board of um, attempting to rebuild this roster. And I know you looked at running backs and defensive backs for the ITP draft guide. I want to ask you real quick about the running back. It's such a great year for running backs. How did you feel about the top guys? Were you a Fournette guy or a McCaffrey guy? Well, really, if you're just doing it on talent alone, my best back in this class was Joe Mixon. Um, Obviously, that's a very awkward uh, situation. Um, uh, There was an executive decision taken on Joe Mixon by the the guys at the top um, over not to in- basically not to include him because I, I did scout him uh, but because of his off the field. They decided not to include him and I, I accept that. But I think talent alone, he's he's a complete back who can catch, he can run. He's just like great size, great speed. Just wow. Just I was blown away. And then obviously very unfortunate situation. And I, I think his um, incident at the Sugar Bowl where he was questioned by reporters about fans chanting, um, that he, you know, that he hits women or whatever, and where he just he denied that it even happened and looked oblivious to it. And I think that showed really that he he's not. It's, it seems he was still rather immature, and clearly he's in, in, done enough to impress some teams or uh, reassure some teams in the pre-draft process, and particularly the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, but I would be worried about his. He's off the field, still very worried, especially when you hear that Pac-Man Jones is supposedly his mentor. <laughs> but yeah, he he was my guy based on talent alone. And then I think I just love Christian McCaffrey. Um, it, when you go back to Christian McCaffrey or Leonard Fournette, I, I mean, Fournette, wow, what a back. But McCaffrey's more of that modern back. Uh, well, Fournette's a throwback. McCaffrey's a guy who can catch. He can do it all, and he can like he can run inside the tackles. Like he he did it regularly at Stanford against loaded boxes, like eight nine men in the box. He's just a, another complete back, really. And yeah, I think the Panthers' offense is going to be really interesting, especially with Curtis Samuel. Going to be a lot of college stuff. They're going to try and uh, do some of the things with those two guys, which Cam was perhaps doing last year. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see how how that works, and I think Fournette's gonna. I think he's a good fit for what they're gonna try to do over at uh, Jacksonville. But McCaffrey yeah. just it, it could be really fun to see what they're able to do with him, and hopefully there are you know they they use him properly or are able to kind of like you know because I'm just not sure about that offense and and how 
they've used the running back position before. So that, that'll be fun to see how that works in. Um, and I understand with Dalvin Cook why he kind of fell a little bit in the draft, but Minnesota might they might have gotten you know a, kind of a steal on him. Uh, maybe Jamal Charles is is the type of player that I was kind of trying to comp him to, and you know Jamal Charles was amazing, but due to his off field stuff and disappointing workouts, I understand why he fell though. Yeah, I, I actually did a scouting report for him uh, for the Inside the Pylon Draft Guide, and I think he's just really versatile. Who if he sharpens up his pass protection you know he's the guy who can definitely stay on the field for all three downs whereas with say Fournette you may you may have worries over that even though he did show impressive receiving ability uh in limited limited opportunities but yeah back to Kirk um just a perfect zone runner just great vision explosiveness navigating through traffic and stringing together cuts well in the open field and I just think as a one cut runner he's fearsome probably you know one definitely one of the best in this class and a potential rookie of the year winner in that sort of offense where he's going to be getting a lot of snaps. I'm not sure about the offensive line. Um, they've done a bit to improve it, but yeah, for sure. It's, and that, that backfield in Minnesota is loaded because they also picked up, um, uh, who was the guy from the Raiders? Who's like a tall back Latavius Murray. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Latavius. So yeah, loaded backfield. Um, yeah. You, you, I really like Davin cook basically. And obviously that off the field again is concerning. And it's kind of strange to me how he, he, I mean, obviously it's not, I understand it because it's so graphic, Mixon, the video of Mixon, but Cook almost seemed to, uh, well, it's, if there was video of Cook, then I think he would have fallen further. I <laughs> yeah. don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently 49ers had taken um, Mixon off the board too, so he wasn't an option. I think for a lot of teams they that Mixon wasn't an option, but of course, you know, Cincinnati's been the team that's kind of been willing to, to to take guys, and I think it helped Cook that he didn't have any uh, obvious you know videos of, of things, and and so yeah, a lot of a lot of dings on his character as well. But uh, a player I really liked, and someone that came that that was drafted a little bit later is Kareem Hunt, and uh, do want to talk about him just for a second too, just just because I liked Kareem oh, Hunt, but um, yeah, yeah, he's a favorite he of mine. My guy. Yeah, and and with Andy Reid and in. Kansas City, I think it's an awesome fit. Fantasy football guys out there, he's someone I'm really trying to steal out there with with fantasy football drafts. But uh, any other players, you know, did you like Hunt? Did you like any other guys that were a little bit later in the draft? Yeah, I loved Hunt. Um, I always kind of fall for like a small school sort of guy. So last year it was Kenneth Dixon, who I think through injury yes. hasn't really uh, got it going in Baltimore. And now he's got a PED suspension. So that's not gone too well. But Hunt, I think <laughs> he has an opportunity uh, um Atlanta, uh, not Atlanta, Kansas City, to be a guy who can maybe win that job. I mean, obviously going to be in a committee approach, but they're not too high on um, Spencer Ware. And I think Hunt is a guy who he just has great burst, great vision, great patience, a really physical guy, always seeking contact, um, just a north-south sort of force, always looking to get north-south. Um, and just a guy who can re- really good at receiving as well. A really good pick, great value as well, and yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to see him play, and I think he's going to be. And I agree totally about the guy you liked last year too. It sucks he's got the PED suspension now, and just can't. And he was hurt last year a little bit, so he can't quite get get going. But uh, he's another player I liked as well. You scouted defensive backs, so before I let you go, I want to talk a little bit about that. The 49ers drafted one pretty high there in the third round, Akello Witherspoon. What did you see with him? Okay, so I think. 
I think this makes sense with Robert Salah, the uh, ex-Seahawks linebacker coach, coming in as defensive coordinator. So you'd expect San Francisco to move to that 4-3 under cover three press defense. So it makes sense because he's a long, fast corner, which is the ideal sort of thing for that cover three. I mean, he's six foot three. I think he's got 33 in charms. Yeah. Um, four, 4.4540 and a 6.933 cone. So, you know, that's pretty ideal for a nice prototype player for that scheme. Um, and he does suit more of a man scheme. And obviously with Seattle's coverage outside and corners playing that deep, three, uh, that deep third, it is pretty much a man zone mix. And I think he has that length to press, obviously. Um, I think Salah would try and teach him the kick step technique where you move forwards when you're jamming your receiver off the line to get your hands on him and disrupt him. And that that's a very strange concept that you're moving uh, forwards first rather than uh, bailing backwards. And it, some people take a while to learn it and it could take him a while. And I think a key thing with that is he may lack the aggression to successfully learn it. I mean, he can't tackle really he can't help in run support because he hesitates big time when a run is coming his way mm -hmm. and he's contact averse and that that's a big worry and he doesn't even wrap up he always tries to like lower his shoulder and almost ducks his head in this which is a bit of a worrying sign i think as a cover corner i think he's great in terms of uh his ball skills his ball tracking uh his ability to stick with a receiver down the field i i think that's all great but that lack of aggression and maybe just maybe he doesn't like the physical side of football. I don't know that that's a big thing to question of a player, but on tape, that's what, how it comes across. So they definitely need to fix that. And I think uh, to use a Sa Seattle example, um, Richard Sherman admitted when he came into the league that he didn't feel uh, nasty enough. And he was taught nasty by a bunch of uh, the bunch of veterans there at the time, whether uh, San Francisco has that veteran presence to teach with us being the nastiness and the aggression needed is and Navarro Bowman is the guy that I, th I think he's gonna be someone that would definitely step up and be like look you, you've got some you got some veteran guys in in the defensive backfield and you have some young talented players some guys drafted high so I think on the defensive side of the ball there's definitely some things that you know they're building there and I think there's some guys that can that can help that come along but you're right that was it was kind of scary watching some of Akella Witherspoon play and see how just how little he wanted to be involved with making contact with people, but he's so perfect on the other hand, just with that length and, and his ability to cover. So it, it's going to be interesting, but he does have some work to do as far as being someone who's uh, who's going to help out at all and be able to to tackle people in in the run game. So did you yeah. have any chance to watch Adrian Colbert at all? I did not. I saw. I I thought you might ask me about him. I didn't get the chance. Seventh rounder, wasn't he? Yeah, seventh rounder. I I didn't see much of him either. So it's. I was hoping maybe you could help me out there. But you know, and I went <laughs> back after he was drafted, and you know, watched all these guys. And I like that he's a special teamer, so he has a chance to to you know. But he's a seventh round pick, so you can't right. expect a ton, and you can't expect all these guys. You know, you know, they didn't draft ten starters, so you know, some guys got to play special teams. Some guys might not. Might not. Well, might hopefully not make it, but. next. Next year we um we're doing we're hoping to do a lot more guys for the inside the pylon draft guide so I will be able to get onto the Adrian Colberts of the world um <laughs> nice. I'm focusing on just one position which is safety next year for the 2018 ITP draft guide so that that shouldn't be an issue next time 
Oh, real quick before I let you go, safety. So one of my favorite guys in the entire draft was Jamal Adams. And I do this thing that's it's a shadow draft, which is basically I draft right along with the 49ers. been doing it since 2013. And for me, the pick at number three, when the 49ers were on the clock, I, the guy I was picking was Jamal Adams for the, for the 49ers. Uh, a guy I loved, you know, he ended up going six to the Jets. New York, I think they got a straight stud, I think, in Jamal Adams. How did you feel about him? I totally agree. I think if you're as a 49ers fan, I don't think you could have complained about that sort of pick. He's so he's so versatile. I think obviously because he's such a good strong safety, like being in the box and having like tackling and block shedding and ability against the run, which is like a linebackers. Obviously, because he's so good at that, I think people overlook how versatile he is. I mean, LSU rotated him deep and even put him at single high, and he. He looked great there. He had range. He had ball skills. He had instincts. And in New York, pairing him with Marcus May, uh, that's a great rookie safety pairing. I mean, I don't know. Clearly, they've shown a keenness to take to stick to their best player available approach, even if they are supposedly tanking. Well, they clearly are tanking. So that's a great rookie safety tandem. And they're both very versatile safety, so they can go in too high. They can move them around a lot. Um, they can rotate them to different alignments. Um, I just think, yeah, but back to Adams, just a great, great player. Just, no pick is a sure thing, but that just appears to me to be a sure thing. Uh, but then the guy you ended up in is Solomon Thomas. I, I like him too. Uh, there's a lot more question marks on him, but his athletic profile is very intriguing. I think I've seen he's working out at Leo, and then the question is with the end. He's almost a projection there. I mean, like, can he maintain his balance through contact outside? Will he twitch translate outside um we saw the twitch inside but outside he's very unrefined and he just needs reps there i think he's almost a bit of a tweener at like 273 pounds like that inside out type like that michael bennett who could maybe move inside on passing downs um i saw he's working with demarcus ware warren sapp and von miller so i guess he's at least he's doing the right things to learn the edge pure edge sort of approach um and he's really strong against the run and a high motor, so that that's you know really good traits as well. Yeah, really um, good, uh, really good people to be learning from, and you hope that it's going to come together for him. He's going to play some strong side defensive end, then maybe some Leo, and I think, like you said, I, I think he could probably rush from inside on passing down. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how that works out. And I'm definitely not upset how things went for the 49ers. I just happen to to like Jamal Adams quite a bit. Yeah, that's understandable. I think back to um, Thomas, and if it doesn't work out, you can always say he can put some weight on, um, be a three-tech inside. I mean, he's, he's 273 pounds. He'd need maybe like 20, 30 more pounds. I mean, there's questions over what, how much his twitch would, you know, how much of it he'd lose if he's putting on more weight, but yeah. I think he'd be okay. Um, but he's 21 as well, so he's got time. But like like you, uh, Adams was just a great player, a guy you couldn't ignore, and less question marks. But I, you can see what the Fortuniters are doing. They've shown a concerted effort over the past few years to strengthen the the defensive trench. So, and you can't argue with that approach. No, not at all. No, and I, I've I've been totally excited about everything that the the new uh, regime has done for the Fortuniters. So I can't wait for that, and I can't wait to see. Uh, what the inside the pylon is going to be looking like next year. So you guys going to have a little bit bigger draft guide, more more players, a little bit more in depth? Yeah. Um, so we've already started preliminary scouting work for 2018. 
I scouted 15 safeties. I'm not sure I'm allowed to reveal how many guys we're hoping to include in the draft guide in 2018. <laughs> That's okay. Might get might get fired, but um, yeah, the uh, the safeties I watched uh, a guy who I don't think is being talked about enough is uh, Josh Liddell from Arkansas. A lot of range guy can play in the slot. Mirror guys in the slot. But uh, a deep third as well, just range and instincts and sideline to sideline uh, coverage ability and ball skills. So really intriguing guy and someone who hasn't really been talked about. Man, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to that stuff. Got to let you go here, but I want everybody to know you should follow Matthew on Twitter at MattyFBrown. Lots of great stuff from InsideThePylon.com. Always enjoy talking to you guys over there. So, Matthew, appreciate the time, man. And I know uh, we're in a different time zone here, so appreciate you uh, giving me the time and talking a little bit about the 49ers. Well, thanks very much for having me. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks to Matthew again for joining me on the show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. iTunes, rate, review the show. Follow me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. You can find everything you need at LockedOn49ers.com. Be back tomorrow projecting the defensive side of the ball in the 53-man roster on LockedOn49ers. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17